nine, please. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put, on, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see now? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees we do not know nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man... We do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, 
You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. John 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought, them, brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. 
Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that, they, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. So he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. You can uh, stay there in your Bible, and in John uh, chapter 9 and 10 is what we're looking at today. If you're, if you're visiting with us, if you're just joining us for the first time, we are so glad that you're here. And, uh, and what we're doing right now is we're walking through the entire book of John, the life of Jesus from, from birth to crucifixion, uh, in 13 weeks. And so it's, a, it's kind of a crash course into the life of Jesus. And the idea here is just to completely immerse ourselves in, in the gospel, in the truth of Jesus, that we can spend this period together as a church just learning about who he is and what he's teaching us and what he's showing us and um, man I don't know about you but I, I really enjoy it and uh, these these chapters are a couple of my favorite chapters um, in the Bible um, there's there's so many powerful things here and the big picture of what we're looking at this morning uh, is this that we live in, a, in an age that's incredibly divided um, now, there's, there's been great periods of division in our history, right? The Civil War, and, and uh, the, the, there's been times the, you know, when we were uh, gaining our independence from the British. Obviously, there's been moments of great division, but, um, but division just seems so pervasive in society. In any given room, if you're on the bus with a bunch of people, if you're in a room, if you're at the grocery store, wherever you are, you can look around and you can almost identify, like, oh, that, that person probably disagrees with me. That person's probably you know, coming from a different viewpoint, whether it's religious, whether it's political, uh, whether it's cultural or social, uh, we're full of divisions. And what Jesus is saying here is there's really only one division that really matters. Uh, and the division is this, are you a part of my flock or are you not a part of my flock? Am I your shepherd or are you pursuing some other shepherd? Um, that's really the one division that really, really matters. Uh, that's really significant and important for a variety of reasons that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, and, and you might be sitting there and you might be saying like, hey, listen, we're in a church, so is this really even a necessary question to ask for a group here? Clearly, we are all part of the flock of Jesus. Um, but I would argue that the people that Jesus was talking to here were religious leaders and they were faithful, devout Jews who had come to Jerusalem to observe the feast that God had commanded them to observe. And so that crowd very well could have said the same thing. They could have said, well, clearly we're in the flock. And Jesus wants them to see like, hey, just your, your presence here in this building, your presence in this city at this place, this time, it doesn't guarantee that you are hearing from me, that you hear my voice, that I am your shepherd. And so that's a really significant thing for us to grab a hold of and to wrestle with this morning. Are we a part of, of the flock? And if we are, there's such great comfort in it. Uh, Jesus shows himself to be the true good shepherd, and we can be so encouraged, we can be so comforted by it, and it also puts us in a position where we can, like the blind man, who is the, the preeminent member of the flock that is, that is brought to life in these passages, 
that we don't have to rely on our own merits, our own wisdom, our own stature, our own reputation uh, for greatness, that we can look to Jesus and being connected to Jesus is what makes us great. And so, so there's kind of two ways that I want to divide it down, and I actually want to look at John chapter 10 first. So if you've got your Bible, you can kind of look uh, in John chapter 10 first. First, we're going to look at what Jesus says about his relationship with his sheep. He says, hey, I'm the, I'm the good shepherd, and this is how I treat those that are in my flock. And so we want to look at that first, and then we'll look at this incredible example of this man who was born blind. And um, uh, before we even d- d- dive into that, and I know I don't have time to preach a third different chapter out of the Bible, right? I'm already preaching two today, but uh, if you keep your finger in John chapter 9 and 10, I want you to flip over to Ezekiel 34 uh, just real quick. And if you're taking notes, you can write down Ezekiel 34. You can throw your bookmark in. Um, I would invite you during this week to go back to this and to study Ezekiel 34 because it's really, it's incredible how much what Jesus says in John chapter 10 relates to what's happening in Ezekiel 34. And we won't have time to unpack it all this morning. And Ezekiel's a hard-to-find Old Testament book, so you might be flipping for a little while, right? But... um, But listen to what it says at the beginning of Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, The sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. And so he's coming to the the religious leaders and he said, hey, you were given a task, a job that you were to shepherd the flock, but instead of shepherding the flock and taking care of those that were straying and healing the wounded and healing the broken, instead, you're just living off the, the fat, over, off of the abundance. You're, you're putting the wool on for your clothes. You're eating your fill, but they exist for you. You don't exist to serve them. Man, it's, it's powerful, and this is exactly what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10, right? And so if you skip down a little bit in Ezekiel 34 down to verse 11, he says, thus says the Lord God, behold, I I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own lands. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines in all the inhabited places of the country, I'll feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall their grazing land. And there they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat of the strong I will destroy. And then just to even make it more clear, down in verse 23, he says, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. 
And so what he's saying here is he's saying uh, David is going to come. And at this point, David is dead and gone and buried. But, but there was this messianic prophecy that there was going to be coming a Messiah in the line of David who was going to come and care for his people. And he describes it. He says he's going to be the shepherd. He's going to be the one shepherd. And so when Jesus came to them and started speaking about being the true shepherd and saying that there is one shepherd and I'm going to go out and I'm going to gather in the flock and we're going to be one flock under one shepherd, He's saying, hey, you know, in Ezekiel 34, what God promised, that's me. That's what I'm here to do. And man, if you're here this morning and, and, uh, and you can relate to, to any of those categories uh, that he said, this should be incredibly good news for, for all of us, right? Because he says, uh, he says um, uh, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And so if you feel like, feel like you're drifting, if you feel like you've strayed, if you feel like you're weak, or maybe you have a loved one, right, that, that you've been praying for, it's good to know that Jesus is the true shepherd who says, I've come exactly for those people. Now, the religious leaders, they should have known this. They should have seen this. So when Jesus came doing what he was doing, they should have been like, wow, this is the one. This is the one that Ezekiel was talking about. But instead, they were mad. They're like, why are you hanging out with those, uh, those lesser people? Why are you hanging out with the, the sinners and the, and the broken? Why are you hanging out with the lame and the crippled? Why aren't you coming and joining our feasts? If you're really the Messiah, why don't you come into the synagogue? And why don't you hang out with the high priest? And why don't you, we're the ones that you should come to. And Jesus says, hey, if you knew, if you knew what the scriptures said about me, you would know that I'm doing exactly what my father said I would do. And so he says a number of things about him as the, as the shepherd. He says, first of all, that he enters by the gate. That he makes, he comes in the right way. In the same way that Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. When Jesus came, he entered in perfection. And so we know that we can trust him. He says that his sheep will know his voice and follow him and they will not follow another. So that's a good question for us to ask ourselves this morning. Do you know the voice of the shepherd? Do you know when Jesus is speaking to you? What, what, is it, what, is it, what does his voice sound like? And so for, for some people, there, there is a, a, where they would say like, hey, I hear Jesus speaking clear to me. When I pray, I, I feel like I can hear him telling me to do things. Other people say, hey, I don't really hear Jesus that way, but, but when I read the Bible, uh, he speaks to me through his word. He'll lead me to a verse. He'll lead me to a passage. He'll lead me to, to something that will, will speak, and it resonates with my heart in such a way that I know that it's him speaking. Have you had that experience? Have you experienced that? And, and on the flip side, uh, in the Christian subculture, there are a lot of voices, right? There's, there's radio stations, there's television stations, uh, there's podcasts, there's blogs. There's no shortage of Christian infotainment out there, right? Uh, because just like the Pharisees at the time, you can get fat off of the sheep. You can, you can, you can earn a healthy living, you can make a lot of money by taking advantage of the flock. And I'm not saying every, every pastor on television or on the radio or who has a podcast, I'm not saying that about, but I'm saying that there is a mix of both. And so when you turn it on, just because you turn it to the Christian channel, you can't know that every word that comes out of that person's mouth is going to be the words of Jesus. So that's where you have to know the shepherd's voice. So if you've ever had that experience where you're listening to messages, you're like, man, something doesn't sit right about this. This, this is not resonating with what I know in Scripture. This is, 
this, this doesn't feel right. It sounds, like, it sounds like it's not flowing with the gospel. That's what Jesus wants. He wants, he wants us to know his voice. So that when a voice comes along that reinforces and, and, and echoes the voice of Jesus, that we can be encouraged and lifted up and, and he can use that to, to direct us. But, but when a voice comes along that's not saying the words of Jesus, that we have the discernment to say like, hey, no, no, no friend, with respect, no, that's, that's not the voice of Jesus. That's something else. Do you have that discernment? Are you, are you able to hear? Let, let me share with you that if you, if you feel like, man, I, I don't know that I do, uh, the way forward is really simple. That, that you, you center yourself on, on, on the word. Find a way to, to dig into it. Maybe you're not a big reader. That's okay. There's an audio Bible, right? Find, find, uh, find good, good teachers, those that, that you know echo the voice of Jesus and, and, and listen to them. Let them build you up. But, but saturate yourself in the word so that you know the voice of the shepherd when, when he speaks. And there's sometimes where he's just going to direct you into things that he's always said. And then there's other times where he's going to say to you, hey, see that person over there? I want you to go talk to them. And you'd be like, why am I being, why do I feel like compelled to go talk to them? I, I, but, but you're like, man, this feels like Jesus wants me to do this. And you begin to hear his guidings and you begin to act on them. And when you take those simple steps of obedience, it's amazing because you begin to enter into the story of what he's doing. Yeah, he goes on to say, he says, um, uh, he says that the, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus comes to save, but the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that's the other area we have to evaluate in our life. What, what is it that, that, that is guiding us? What is the shepherd of our life? And does it ask more of us than it gives back in return? And this is how an addiction of any type, this is how it gets a hold of you, right? It sets its hook into you, whether it's, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's, whether it's uh, success, whether it's consumption, right? We can be addicted to a lot of different things, but, but the thing that they all have in common is that they don't build us up. They promise something, they overpromise, and they underdeliver. They promise that you're going to feel good. They promise that they're going to fulfill you. But ultimately, what you find is that after a while, you're not going to them to feel good. You're going to them so you'll stop feeling bad. <laughs> because then when the, the, you, you don't feel good without it. And so you've got to keep going back to it. And, it, and, and, it, and it, like you said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But when you, when you center your life on Jesus, you find that he builds you up. We find that he encourages you, that he strengthens you that you get far more than you give in a relationship with Jesus. And that's proven because he says the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. He said the hireling, the one that, that comes that's just a hired hand, when the wolves come, when the enemies come, they're going to flee. But Jesus, not only does, does he not flee, he stays and he gives his very life for us. His devotion to us is unquestionable. He says that he's bringing in other sheep so that there will not uh, be multiple folds. There will be one fold and one shepherd, exactly what it said in Ezekiel 34. And that's us, right? At this time, he was talking to the nation of Israel. He was saying, he's saying, hey, you have been the people of God, but I'm about to go out and I'm about to do something new, and I'm going to bring in the Gentiles, and I'm going to bring in the Romans, and I'm going to bring in the Samaritans, and we're not going to be all these different groups, but we're going to be one group, one fold, unified under Jesus. And he says something that we experience over and over again, right? He says that those who are not his sheep 
will not believe him. I love this. This is actually one of the funnier moments in Scripture, right? The Pharisees pull him aside and they say, hey, listen, just tell us straight. Are you the Messiah or not? And he's like, what have I been saying for the past nine chapters, right? Like, I came in saying, I am the Messiah. I've done the miracles. I've done the signs. I've healed the, line, the, the lame and I've, I've given sight to the blind. They're like, what else do you want? And they're like, okay, okay, but, but seriously, are you the Messiah, <laughs> right? Like, they just can't hear it. And we experience this, that those... Um, that, that don't have ears to hear, it doesn't matter which way you say it until the Holy Spirit changes their heart. They're just not going to be able to hear what you're trying to tell them, right? You say, hey, Jesus is making this huge impact on my life, and your coworker says, oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, I, and they go off on a long story about their grandmother who used to go on this pilgrimage, to, you know, and, but, but they're not hearing what you're trying to tell them until they're ready. But here's the good news, that Jesus says, I'm going out to get the straight. I'm going out to get the lost. And there is hope. And so our duty is, if they're not ready to hear it, pray that their ears would be open. Pray that their heart would be receptive. Pray for those. Don't say, oh, okay, I guess you're not in the flock. <laughs> I guess I now know I'm in the flock and you're out of the flock, you know. Um, hey, until we give our last breath, every single person has an opportunity to come to faith in Jesus. So don't give up on the people around you who are not yet ready I like to think of them as Christians and pre-Christians, right? And you think, you can kind of plot out, like, man, what would it look like for this person to come to faith in Jesus? And then you can get excited about it, and you start rooting for them. You want them. You want them to come. The last thing that he says that's so encouraging, he says that he gives his sheep eternal life, and no one can take it away from him. He says, I'm going to give you life everlasting, and once you're in my hands, there is no one that can pull you away from me. It's powerful uh, to be uh, within the leading, guiding, loving, shepherding care and protection of Jesus. And so that's where we want to be. So, so what does this look like? We, we go back to chapter 9 and we look at this man who was born blind. And I love this story for so many reasons. Uh, there's, there's so many incredible characteristics of this man. Uh, the first thing that they deal with is this question of sin. Did, did sin cause his brokenness? And the disciples say, hey, was it his, did his parents sin? Did he somehow in the womb sin? I don't know if I sinned in the womb, but I probably did, right? <laughs> it's like, um, and they're kind of saying like, hey, which one of these calls it? And Jesus says, no, that's, that's not what this is. This blindness, this particular thing, is so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I love that. Because there's so many times when we get sick. Have you gone through a, a sickness, an illness, a struggle, a trial, a difficulty, and whenever it comes upon you, what's the first question that you ask? Why me? <laughs> Why this, Lord? Why are you letting this happen? Why is this happening to me? Right? Isn't that what we ask? That's a natural question to ask. And like the disciples, we might say, hey, is this sin? God, is it because, man, I knew I should have done that, or I shouldn't have done that thing, and I did it, and I think... And, and clearly, hey, listen, from the Bible, there are times when there is a, there is a punishment that is brought for sin as a corrective action, just like when a sheep kind of gets a little too far away and the shepherd kind of takes the crook and knocks them back a little bit, right? Out of loving correction, sometimes God will allow something to come into your life as a result of sin to make you want to leave the sin and to go back to him. But in this case, that's not always the case. Sometimes what comes into your life comes in just so that it can be an opportunity to bring glory to God. And so if you're going through something right now or, or if you're on the verge of going through something, which all of us are probably, right? How different is that? Instead of saying, why me? To say like, God, is it possible that, that you've allowed this to happen to bring you glory? 
how, how can that be? Not why, but how. God, how on earth is this going to bring you glory? I remember the Jacksons telling me a story of when, when they were going down to, uh, to chop with some things that were going on with their daughter, Scott and Lynn Jackson, and they talked about waiting in the waiting room and sitting there, and, and, and their daughter had something going on, but it wasn't like these kids that were sitting there with, with childhood cancer. And they were sitting in that waiting room, and they got a chance to talk to these different families. And they said, hey, if, if for no other reason God has allowed us to come into our life than just because we were able to come down here and have an opportunity to encourage and speak into the lives of these people and minister to them, Man, maybe that's why God allowed this to happen. When, when you're going through a trial, it takes you into places that you wouldn't naturally choose to go yourself. <laughs> and because of that, you're going to meet people and you're going to speak into situations and you're going to gain experience that you would never have any other way. And so it's possible that what God allows you to do is so that you can bring him glory. Now, the next thing that's really interesting is that, that Jesus' method of healing here is fascinating, Right? He spits in the dirt, he makes mud, and he puts it on the guy's eyes. Now we think of it in this really like cleansed, beautiful, purified, like, wow, that's awesome. How beautiful, Jesus. Spread the mud, right? But, but if a stranger comes up to you and says, hey, I'm going to do something. This is going to be a little bit weird, but trust me, right? And they start <laughs> spitting in the mud, right? How many of you want that put on your eyes? But that's the reality that sometimes... The thing, the vehicle that Jesus is going to use to bring healing into your life is not going to be attractive. It might not be desirable. Is there something that, that he's bringing into your life today that you're like, man, I don't want that. Maybe it's a, an unexpected house guest, right? Maybe it's an unexpected, uh, maybe, that, maybe it's a turn of events that you weren't hoping for, you didn't want, and it looks really ugly and undesirable, but the reality is, is that's the exact thing that he's going to use to bring healing into your life. Don't reject the messenger just because of what it looks like, right? And then there's a second piece to it. He puts the mud on his eyes, and then he says, hey, and we've seen Jesus do it over and over again. Jesus could have said, your eyes are open. See, right? He could have just said that, but instead he says, I want you to go to the pool of Siloam, which means scent. <laughs> I'm sending you to the scent pool, and I want you to wash there. And when you wash there, then you'll be healed. And what did the guy do? He went, right? Sometimes Jesus can heal us without our, without our obedience, without any step or whatever, but sometimes he wants us to, to make a, a small step of obedience. He wants us just to be obedient in a simple and small thing so that he can, he can give us the healing, but so that he can also change something in our heart. I love, uh, you know, Chris is going to be baptized today, and um, it's a huge step of faith to come up here and, and to share your testimony and to, and to go into the baptismal waters, and that's part of her testimony that she just came to a point where she said, hey, this is the next step of obedience for me. This is what I need to do. This is where Jesus is calling me to take that next step, and I'm super confident that as she takes that step, then the next step is going to unfold before, and I've seen that in the lives of, of so many of you as I look out here and I think about the people that I've been able to witness your baptism and see you take that step of faith and then see what Jesus did continuing out of that. And so he does it. He takes this step of faith, and then they come to him and they ask this question, how were your eyes opened? <laughs> they ask him three times because their hearts are hard and they can't receive it, but, but ultimately, isn't that what the world wants to know? The world wants to know, how were your eyes opened? How, you're different. What's different about you? 
you're going through a really hard thing, but, but I see this kind of hope and, and joy in you that I don't understand. Because if I was going through what you're going through, I would not be, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. How were your eyes opened? The world wants to know, does it work? <laughs> right? There's so many times that we kind of say, well, man, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm afraid to share Jesus because, man, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? What if they ask me about what happened between the period of the Old and the, the New Testament? You know, what, what if they ask me some, some obscure question about, you know, a Greek word that I don't, don't worry about that, right? Most of the world, what they want to know is, did it work? Does it work? <laughs> you follow Jesus? What, what does that mean? What is that? And do you have a testament? Is it working? <laughs> I, I can share with you, the main reason that I know Jesus is the Son of God is not because I've studied the Scriptures extensively, although I have. It's not because I've, I've looked into the ancient manuscripts. I know it because I've lived it day after day, and I've walked with Jesus, and I've seen the difference that he's made in, in me and how he's transformed me as a person and how he's, he's changed my, my temper and he's changed my motivations and, and the peace that he's brought into my life and the peace that he, I, I've experienced it. I've lived it, right? And you guys, you, you've experienced this as well. And so I love it. When they come to him, they said, what happened? And he's so matter-of-fact. He said, uh, he put mud on my eyes. He told me to wash. And then I could see. Where is he? I don't know. <laughs> who is he? I don't know. How did he do it? I don't know. What do you, who, who do you think he is? Well, I think he's a prophet because he's doing the work of God. Nobody but God can make a blind man see. And so if that's what he's doing, I'm putting two together and I'm saying that he's, he's a prophet. I love that. That's what he wants to send you out to do. And, 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 and this guy goes toe-to-toe with the theological minds of his age, right? The, the greatest, the brightest, and the best, best theological minds are there confronting him, challenging him. They bring in his parents, and his parents, you'd want his parents to be like, dudes, he can see, like, back off. Why aren't you celebrating? But instead, in fear, they cower and they say, hey, he's our son, but other than that, I don't, I don't want it, right? Some of you experience this, right? Like, you had this great moment where you're like, man, Jesus is the answer, and your family's like, well, hey, listen, you were baptized as a baby. Like, why do you need to go get baptized again? You're going to break your grandmother's heart. <laughs> right? Instead of saying, like, man, that's awesome. I can see the difference in you. I can see that you're changed. I don't know that I understand, you know, theologically. And maybe I don't agree with you about what you're saying about baptism, but I agree with what Jesus is doing in you. And if that's what you want to do, I celebrate it with you. I'm happy for you. Right? That's what we want. But that's not always what we get. That's okay. The blind man was okay with that. Ultimately, he says, hey, what, why are you asking me so many questions? Do you want to be Jesus' disciples too? I don't know a lot, but I can, I can tell you. And think about how theologically unprepared this guy was. Jesus finally comes to him and comforts him and says, hey, uh, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he's like, who is he? <laughs> he doesn't even know that Jesus is the Messiah. But here's what he knew. I was blind, and now I see. I pray today that that's your testimony. I pray today that you can see evidence of your life of saying, man, walking with Jesus has transformed me. I am not the same person. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. I can't answer every question. I don't think the blind man went from that day forward and never sinned again, just like you and I. He struggled probably. But he knew without a doubt that Jesus 
had the power to heal. And he placed his faith in him and he worshiped him. And he began to walk with him day by day as a part of his flock. It's my hope, my prayer for each of us today that we do the same. That we take whatever Jesus has given us, whatever testimony he's given us, whatever experience, whatever knowledge, whatever wisdom, and we just go forward and we boldly share it for his glory. We live it out every day with the confidence that our good shepherd is watching over us. And if you do that, you can't lose, (laughs) right? There's nothing the world can throw at you that can take that away from you. And that gives us great confidence. Join me in prayer. I believe in you. And I ask you to make me a new creation today. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, if you, if you prayed to receive Jesus, there is no greater joy in the world. And, and we want to celebrate that with you. And so I invite you to come, come talk to me, talk to Keith, or talk to Brian, who's sitting in the back by the video camera there. Make a note on your response card. Let somebody know so that we can celebrate with you and we can begin to walk with you and help you how to know the shepherd's voice. Uh, will you stand as we sing a final song in closing today? You're not a distant God Not just a legend of old In love and darkness There is no moment I'm alone Your love can't be you never withhold You are constant always with me In your presence I am home You never let go, never let go, never let go You pull me close, pull me close, pull me
God bless you. Go in peace.
district and taking care of everybody, um, fixing everybody. I was spent most of my early adulthood uh, in a relationship with someone who had an addiction problem and because of that dealing with all the the chaos and the fallout, fallout that surrounds um, addiction and so trying to save him trying to be everything for our family support our family on all levels trying to be the perfect parent just because it's part of my personality, but also because I was was the type of person who was always worried about being perfect and taking care of everybody. Um, um, I would say my life before Jesus, uh, before the, the turning point um, had come in my life, I was the type of person who was always worried about being perfect and taking care of everybody. Um, fixing everybody. I was spent most of my early adulthood uh, in a relationship with someone who had an addiction problem and because of that dealing with all the the chaos and the fallout, fallout that surrounds um, addiction.
Good morning, Riverside. So glad uh, to see all of you here this morning. And uh, man, this is going to be a great, great day. We're excited. There's so many good things that are going on. And so it's good to have you here. And we want to invite you to stand as we begin to worship this morning.
from the rooftops I'll proclaim that I am yours I am yours all that I am I place into your loving hands for Welcome to Riverside Community Church, everyone. My name is Keith Grant, one of the pastors here, and we are so uh, blessed to be here this morning. Uh, I want to invite our ushers to come up this morning as we prepare to continue to worship with our offering this morning. And while they come up, let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, thank you for the time this morning. Lord, please prepare our hearts. Please prepare our minds to hear from you today, God. Man, we love your word, Lord, and, uh, and the book of John has been such a blessing, God, because it's, uh, it just truly reveals who Jesus is, and it reveals like our place before Jesus, God. And so we pray that you would just speak to us today and, uh, and help us to turn to you and ask for help where we fall short in our lives, Lord, and we thank you for that. And, and we pray, God, we pray for these gifts and offerings that we would give back to you the gifts that you've given us. Uh, and just with a thankful heart, Lord, you've blessed us so much in our life, and this is the way we express that back to you, Father. We pray that you would use these gifts and offerings to further your kingdom, Lord, and you know where there's a need. And we thank you, God, for using us and allowing us to join you in what you're doing, Lord. And we just thank you, and we praise you, God. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Man, so there's a, there's a lot happening at Riverside Community Church. Uh, baby bottle fundraise. So downstairs we have the baby bottles, guys. Today is the day when those baby bottles are due. And so if you haven't gotten one yet, there are still some empty ones. You can fill it with some coins real quick from your car. Uh, you can put a check. You can put cash in it. But today is the day when they're due. And if you have them, if you want to just drop them off downstairs in the table down there, since today is the deadline. So see Jesus Workshop, February 23rd and 24th, this Friday and Saturday. Um, is a See Jesus workshop. 
if you are interested or you have an interest to lead a study about Jesus, that's going to be this Friday and Saturday. If you want more information, you can just email myself. But I would also encourage you, um, this study is really, really good. I actually have done it myself and gone through, and it's transformed my relationship completely because I see Jesus in a totally different way right now. And so I want to encourage you, you could actually just come as an attendee and just listen in, and uh, it would be well worth your time and your while to be a part of that too. And that's going to be this Thursday, or I'm sorry, this Friday and Saturday here at Riverside. There's a new Bible study coming too in the Roslyn area. So it's Roslyn Glenside area at the home of Lee and Celia Burns. So um, I think we are a couple weeks away, but they're looking to, uh, to see who's interested in being a part of that study. Um, so that if you want more information, you can contact L. Burns at avail.com. Uh, and again, all this information is in our weekly email. So if you want to just fill out a comment card, we can send you a weekly email with all the same information too. But you want to get in touch with them and be a part of this uh, group study we have in the uh, Rosalind Gunside area. Core value transformation and growth, and I have, uh, I have a lot of really good conversations with people. I love asking people about their testimony. I love hearing how they came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but one of the most fascinating things, too, is once they come to know Christ, how are they changing, and how do they become more and more like Christ and are transforming their own life? And I can honestly tell you guys for myself, I think it finally hit me one day when I was seeing Jesus work in my life, and I was changing I wasn't just trying harder. He was living his life through me. And I remember being on my knees literally one night and crying out to the Lord and saying, I never knew it was like this because I was so stuck in religion and just trying to do things to earn favor, but in actually seeing him change me into the image of Christ. And so that's one of the things that we want to encourage is that we, as we hear the word, let it convict you, but then turn to him and say, I need help and live his life through you. And you begin to see yourself changed in ways that you never imagined. And so that's one of the things that we constantly want to share with people is the gospel is about transforming and changing people's lives into his image. Amen? Also, for some of you who may have been interested in the discovery class today after the second service, we're actually postponing that. Um, but if you are planning on attending, just reach out to myself or Ezra if you were planning on coming. I know we have another one scheduled for May, but uh, if enough people are interested, we can do one in the meantime. So if you were planning on coming to the discovery class today, just, uh, just let us know about that too. So we got one more thing this morning, which is exciting. So I'm gonna turn it over to Ezra right now. Awesome, thanks Keith. Um, so we get the privilege of watching uh, Chris Leister get baptized this morning. Um, it's an awesome picture of exactly what Keith was just talking about, transformation and growth. And uh, one of the things that we love to do is to capture the uh, testimony uh, so that you can understand why someone has come to this point where they're ready to come and to publicly be baptized uh, as a symbol of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're going to give you the opportunity right now to hear Chris's testimony. Um, I would say my life before Jesus, uh, before the, the turning point um, had come in my life, I was the type of person who was always worried about being perfect 